Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them tonight, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. We're going to look at uh, some verses there, and then we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew. Focus on verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. And it reads like this, But we preach Christ crucified, both unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you look back up at verse number 18, it repeats, it, it gives, it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The cross of Jesus Christ is two things. It's the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. The power of God to save us from our sins. The power of God to change our lives forever. The power of God to bring us into his almighty presence and his wisdom has made a way. Man could never have figured it out, but God in his wisdom made a perfect way, the only way, for us to enter into the peace which passeth all understanding. So our word tonight is we preach Christ crucified. Hallelujah. The word of God must be preached that Christ was crucified for sin. We know the early church preached the resurrection, but there could be no resurrection without the crucifixion. But without the crucifixion, there would be, we would still be without hope and without any remedy for sin in our lives. And so there's power in the cross, power in preaching the Christ crucified. And you know, he says we preach Christ crucified. No one else but Christ crucified. You know, there were many people crucified in those days. The Romans had the, had uh, the, 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 the roads uh, just lined with many crucified. But they were preaching Christ crucified. There was one out of the many that made a difference in our lives. God have mercy on all those that were crucified. But only one, only Christ, the crucifixion of Christ is the only one that made a difference in your life, in my life, in the lives of all those who believed on him, and then make a difference in the lives of all those that are yet to believe on the name of Jesus. So the cross of Christ is not something that was only back then historical. The cross of Christ transcends every generation in all times, and whoever looks upon the cross and believes and calls upon the name of the Lord, there's power in the cross for salvation that they may be saved. Amen? What does it say in the, in the book of Acts? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. We preach Christ crucified, the power of God unto salvation. Now we want to focus on the Gospel of Matthew. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, and we're going to start looking at verse 22. When Jesus was brought before Pilate, praise the Lord. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse number 22. The Jews had brought Jesus to Pilate, falsely accused. He was already beaten and bruised and mocked. And yet they brought him to Pilate. In verse 22, let me read the verses to you, verse 22 to 25. Pilate said unto them, unto the Jews, he said, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water 
and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. My Lord, my Lord, not only did they want the blood of Christ upon them, but upon their children. What a horror. But let's look at the cross. As it was said in Corinthians, forgiveness or foolishness. The cross, forgiveness or foolishness. There's a decisive crossroad. Which one are we following? Which one will you follow? What does the cross do for you and I today? That depends upon the answer to the question, what shall you do with Jesus Christ? What shall you do with Jesus Christ? That's the question to all mankind. That's the question to every believer. What shall you do with Jesus Christ? What shall you do with Jesus Christ? Mankind today is still in bad shape concerning sin. We live in a world that doesn't want to hear sin, doesn't want to acknowledge sin, would like to have sin removed from the dictionary and from the tongues of every man and woman living today. But Jesus Christ came and paid a most, most horrific price to cleanse us of sin. And yet sin is looking to be removed from the face of the earth. But the only way sin can be removed and cleansed is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you want to get rid of sin, don't try to erase it and take it out of society. Accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and sin is forgotten. It's no more. We are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so mankind is still sinning. They're still doing the same thing that they did thing. You know, nothing. there's nothing new under the sun. What was taking place then is taking place now. Only thing the Bible says in the end times, things will get even worse. But nothing new. Everything that was taking place now was, was taking place then. Whatever was taking place then is taking place now. Hallelujah. And people are still laughing at the wisdom of God, mocking it, calling it foolishness, making nothing of it. But we who are believers know that there's something precious about the cross of Jesus Christ that applies to our lives, not only then, but now. Every day that we live, the Christ has effect in our lives. Let me tell you, let me read to you this. I'm going to read it, uh, quote it to you uh, Michael Byrd, he was a, he's a minister in Australia, and a well-known American preacher was in Australia, and he was giving advice to a large Australian congregation. And this preacher, Michael Byrd, was there listening to it. He said, and this is what this American preacher, this is what was being preached from a pulpit to, to believers, to Christians, to believers. And this is what the man said. He called himself a preacher. We just read in 1 Corinthians that we preach what? Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. This is, I want to quote this. He said, quote, don't tell the people about the cross. It doesn't work. That's why the Franklin Graham Crusades are no longer effective. Just tell them that God loves them and has a plan for them. And he was on to say that, that a crucified Messiah is stupid, but promise them prosperity, give them emotional experiences, provide them with self-esteem, and then you'll fill the pews. This is being proclaimed from pulpits throughout the land in the name of Christianity. But unless they preach Christ crucified, they're preaching a wrong gospel. We preach Christ crucified. Hallelujah. And so what does the cross do for us today? Again, it depends upon the question that, that even Pilate asked. What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? I want to give you the bad news first, and then I'll give you the good news. The bad news is what shall I do with Jesus, 
call to Christ? Number one, the bad news is that we a person says, I believe not in Jesus as the Christ. That's the beginning of bad news for mankind. That's the beginning of bad news for that individual when they declare in their heart, I believe not. That's bad news. Pilate says, I wash my hands of him. And some people in this world that we live in, as you listen to the news, they want to wash their hands with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to wash their hands with anything that has to do with Jesus. And when you wash your hands, there's a verdict being passed. A verdict meaning a judgment being passed upon you as a judgment that you have already decided to be upon you. And that's a judgment of guilt by rejecting washing your hands of Jesus Christ. Pilate, you see, when we reject Jesus Christ, when we reject the cross of Jesus Christ, when we do not acknowledge and accept what Christ did on the cross, then we become judged by God as guilty of sin because Jesus became the sin, the one who took away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away, what? The sin of the world. And if we believe not that Jesus took away the sin of the world, then we stand judged by our own sins. We are guilty under the weight and burden of our sins. We stand as guilty before the judge of all the earth. And Pilate had to make up his mind what he was going to do with Jesus. Every one of us have to make up our mind, what are we doing with Jesus Christ? And it's not just past tense. Jesus cleansed us of our, of our sin. What are we doing with Jesus? What are we doing with Jesus? While Jesus was before Pilate, they brought, they brought Jesus into the presence of Pilate, and Pilate was standing as judge over Jesus. Here was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all creation, standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, I'm your judge. I'm going to judge you. And a lot of people, they try to judge God according to their own wisdom, according to their own emotions, according to their own things, and they want to judge God and say there is no God, God doesn't matter, God doesn't uh, uh, has none effect, and they bring judgment upon their own lives. That's bad news. That's a bad verdict. When you go to court and the judge says guilty, that's not good news, is it? Do any of you want to hear guilty? I want to hear innocent, forgiven, set free, be loose. But Pilate was judging Jesus, and when Pilate was judging Jesus, God was judging Pilate. People think that they can make their own judgments and that God does not hear or see or will not judge them. In Ecclesiastes it says also, in elsewhere in the Bible, it says that people continue to sin and continue to do what they're doing because they don't see the immediate judgment of God upon them. God doesn't immediately judge and bring the condemnation down because he's a merciful God, a God who is long-suffering, patient, willing that none should purge. And so God allows time for people to repent, change their mind, and accept the cross of Jesus Christ. But Pilate was judging Jesus, and God was judging Pilate according to what Pilate was in Pilate's heart. Jesus was in Pilate's hands, but Pilate was in God's hands. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. See, Pilate was swayed by public opinion. Bad advice. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to in this world? People that are talking against Jesus? or people that are talking about Jesus in a good way, that's going to build your faith, grow your faith. Pilate was listening to bad advice to the crowds crying out, crucify him, 
The Bible says that he knew in his heart that Jesus was innocent. It says in verse 18 of Matthew that he knew, it says, they were, they were acting out of envy for, for Jesus. They were crying, crucify him, because they were envious of Jesus. Pilate knew in his heart. You see, in the heart of every man, God is not willing that any should perish. And so God, in, in every individual's heart, he does something. We don't know how he does it, but he does something. And even in Pilate's heart, Pilate knew in his heart that this man was innocent. He knew it. There was no question in his mind that he was innocent. But it doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what you, if you act upon what you think. He knew Jesus was innocent, but he wasn't willing to do anything about the innocence of Jesus. And so when we know to do something in our heart, as the Bible says, if you know to do what is right in your heart and do it not, that's sin. That's what the Bible says. And so you see, God is not willing that any should perish. He was pierced, he was touching, he was touching Pilate's heart saying, my son is innocent. He's an innocent lamb. He's a lamb, a spotless lamb, without sin. Pilate had a wife, and God gave her a dream. And in the dream, he showed her Jesus was an innocent man. And she went to her husband and said, Pilate, have nothing to do. Let him go. He's innocent. I had a dream that's troubling me. Pilate ignored his heart. Pilate ignored his, his, the, the word that came to him through his wife. You see, man is not without an excuse for, not re, re, for rejecting Jesus. No one can stand before God and say, I didn't know. God always makes a way to touch the heart. He, te he speaks to us inwardly and he speaks to us outwardly. God just doesn't do one or the other. God tries to reach the heart, and God tries to reach the ear, and both we must willingly have to try to uh, dispel or put down or disregard in order to do that. So Pilate, with the bad advice that he received from the people, he let, he let the advice of the people overrule and overweigh what he was feeling in his heart and what he was hearing from his wife. You know, if you start listening to the crowd of people around you in life, it'll start, sooner or later, it'll start to overweigh what you're feeling in your heart and what you're hearing others say about the word. Pilate was full of pride. He was full of arrogance. And he, when in, in the Gospel of John, it says that he said to him, Pilate said to Jesus, and he said, uh, don't you want to speak to me, Jesus? He said, don't you know that I have power over you to crucify you and I have power to release you? Power went to his head and he thought that he was the final judge over Jesus. We must always walk humbly with our God and God will exalt us. If Pilate humbled himself before the Lord, knowing this man was innocent, God could have easily exalted him in due season, in his time. We don't know what God would have done. James 4 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. In 1 Peter it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you. Pilate would rather be a friend of Caesar than a friend of God. This is all leaning up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Bad friends. Bad friends. Hanging out with the wrong people will bring you into wrong situations and circumstances. In John chapter 19, verse 12, the thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. He was still feeling that in here, I, I should release him. But he could have just, just said, Pilate could have just said, I'm an authority here, I'm releasing this man. He could have, he could have said that. He had the authority to do that. But it says this, in John chapter 19, it says, Then the crowd, he said, the Jews cried out because Pilate wanted to let him go. Because he said, he said this, if that, and they said, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. 
And whosoever makes himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So they're saying that if you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. And so his friendship with Caesar, they were playing now on his friendship with Caesar, that you're not a friend of Caesar if you let him go. And so what meant more, being a friend with Caesar or letting an innocent man go? Being a friend with someone you know is doing wrong or taking the side of the innocent, doing the right thing, making the right choice and the right decision. And finally, Pilate tried to shift the blame of rejecting Jesus to the Jews and to the herd, the old blame game. But we are each personally responsible. Herod, Pilate was personally responsible for his decisions and his actions. He tried to remain neutral, but you can't remain neutral when you look at the cross. You either have to be accepting and say, Lord, I accept the price paid on the cross for my forgiveness of sins. Or you look at the cross and you look at it as foolishness and you go your own way. There's no middle ground. You either accept the cross or you reject the cross. You obtain forgiveness, or you walk in the foolishness of your mind. And so there's no middle ground. It's like Pilate saying, he's innocent, but who cares? Let him be crucified. So what, an innocent man dies. I'm still a friend of Caesar, and I get to please the people. Oh, the price of a life. is sacred to Jesus. It's precious to Jesus. Every life. And so we see the bad news, the bad choices. The, we see that he, had a, he listens to the bad advice, bad friends. He exalted himself. And that's bad news for everyone who rejects the cross of Christ. Now the good news. But bad news has to be preached, has to be heard. People cannot reject the cross of Christ and walk away and think that God is going to love them and forgive them and bring them into heaven when they reject the cross of Jesus Christ. Like that preacher from the pulpit in Australia was telling the congregation, you don't have to preach the cross, just preach God loves them and they'll prosper them and everything will be hunky-dory and they'll go to heaven when they die. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that Christ was crucified for sin that we might be forgiven of sin and then the doors of heaven open wide to us. Amen? You see, when we accept the cross, a door opens. A door opens to the wide variety, the wide expanse of blessings and provision for you and I. But until we accept the cross of Christ, the door remains closed. We cannot see beyond it and we walk in the foolishness of our ways and of our mind, and we don't know, we don't even have a clue of what we're missing, of what's beyond that door of the cross of Christ. The unforgiven cannot see beyond the cross, because they've never gone to the cross. And until you go to the cross, you cannot see what is beyond the cross, the blessings, the hope, the future, all that God has in store for you, you cannot see it. That door is closed to you. But the minute you go to the cross of Christ, that door is open. And when you look into the door, you see the wide expanse of promises, of blessings, of goodness, of mercy, wondrous things that cause you to rejoice, cause you to have hope, cause your spirit to be lifted up as you look beyond the cross into all that God has now opened up to you. We preach Christ crucified, and what is beyond the crucifixion is the resurrection and the hope and the glory that God has for each and every one of us. And so to him who believes on the cross of Christ, it is good news. What is the gospel? Good news, right? It's the good news that Christ has been crucified to take away the sin of the world that you can have entrance into new life with God, into the promises and into the blessings of your God who loves you and gave himself for you. 
When you accept Jesus as Savior and Deliverer and Lord, you are making a good choice. Pilate made a bad choice, and, and he and everything else that was bad, out of that bad choice, everything else brought him downhill. But when you make the good choice of accepting the cross of Christ, it is good news that brings you uphill, upward and onward and upward with the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. That's why John in 129 says, Behold, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. That's good news. He took away sin. He took away the sin of the world. That means you're forgiven. That means you have been washed in the blood of Christ, that the, the goodness and the mercy of God is upon you, that as far as the east is from the west, your sins are forgotten, remembered no more. Is that good news? That's what the cross of Christ, when you preach the cross of Christ, you're preaching forgiveness of sin. God has mercy on you. God has grace upon you. God has uh, forgiven you. When Peter, when Jesus said, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he was saying everything that what they were saying. He said, but Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, Peter, Man didn't tell, reveal that to you, but God, my Father in heaven, did. And so the question that Pilate asked, what should I do with Jesus Christ? What should you do with Jesus Christ? Peter, what should you do with Jesus Christ? Peter said, I will follow him. I will make him my Lord and my Savior, and I will follow him all the days of my life. That's the choice that Peter made. That's the choice that Paul made. That's the choice that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and all the others, that's the choice that they made to walk with Jesus no matter what. They were convinced, what shall I do with Jesus? I will follow him. I will make him my Savior and my Lord. I will follow Jesus. That's what I'm going to do with Jesus. He's my shepherd. He's my king. He's my Lord. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. What shall I do with Jesus? What shall you do with Jesus? Make him your Savior. Make him your Lord. Make him the one who leads you. Make him the one who leads you and guides you through the days of your life. Why? Because of the cross. Because of the cross, all this has been opened to you. Because of the cross. You see, you are judged. There's a, you, you, Pilate judged Jesus. Although he was innocent, Pilate judged him as guilty. Gave him up to be crucified. That was a bad verdict on, on Pilate's part. And because Pilate judged Jesus wrongly, Pilate became judged by God. But when, when we judge Jesus as being the one who takes away the sins of the world, that Jesus is my redeemer, as I, I, I judge him to be my righteousness, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him to to be sin for us who knew no sin, that he we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We preach the cross of Christ and Christ crucified. Why? Because he became sin for us and we became the righteousness of God in Christ. You cannot become righteousness in God without the cross of Christ. Without the blood being shed for you, you cannot obtain the righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. But because Jesus was crucified, his body broken, his blood shed on that cross, he became righteousness for you and for I who believe on him, who look upon him and say, oh Lord, thank you for being crucified for me, taking my place, shedding your blood for me. Now your righteousness is upon me and you are clothed in the righteousness of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords, you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that only comes through the crucified Christ. That's why we preach Christ and Him crucified. Good advice? Pilate took bad advice when he was listening to the crowds yelling, crucify Him. Don't have anything to do with Him. Just get rid of Him. And the world is trying to tell people, just get rid of Jesus. Don't believe on Him. Don't listen to Him. Just get rid, crucify him. Get him out of there. Do your own thing. Go your own way. 
Pilate listened to the bad advice, and it did not do him any good. But the Bible says, Mark 1.15, you see, when you receive and accept God's word, you're receiving and you're accepting good advice. Because you're accepting the advice of a living God who says, believe on my word. And when we say, yes, Lord, amen, I believe your word, then you're accepting and you're receiving good advice from God himself. Mark 1.15, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Believe Christ crucified and you shall live. Hallelujah. In the psalmist, David said, Psalm 119.11, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Your word, O oh God, when I put it into my heart and believe it, it's going to lead me to salvation because it's going to make me want to do what's right. And if we say yes and amen to the word of God, God opens up our eyes to see Christ crucified and the remedy for our sin, the forgiveness of our sin is there on Calvary's cross in the person of Jesus Christ, in the, his body broken, his blood shed. We now have been forgiven because we took the advice of God and went to Calvary's cross and bent our knee. The world will not tell you to bend your knee to the cross, but God and his angels and all God's word speaks to us. He touches our heart. He touches our mind and says, look upon my son, bend your knee, confess him as Savior and Lord, and you shall be saved. And we say, yes, Lord. I'm taking your advice. That's what I, when I heard the gospel preached, I took that word to heart. I took the advice of God and I bowed my knee to the cross of Calvary and I said, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I took the advice that came to me from the word of God and applied it to my life and acted upon it. I didn't just hear it and believe it. I heard it, believed it, and then I had to act upon it. And I bowed my knee to the cross and I said, Jesus, come into my life, make me a new creation. And God, through Christ, came into me, changed my life, and he changes everyone who bows their knee to the cross. There is power in the cross of Jesus Christ, power to change and transform life. I'm a living testimony that my knee bowed and called upon the name of the Lord and I was saved. That's why we preach Christ crucified. He's the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power to work a miracle in my life to cleanse me and to change me the way I think, the way I live, the way I act. That takes power. A power that I don't get from eating spinach. Power that I don't get from eating any food of this world. It's a power that comes from heaven inwardly that, that through the blood of Christ, it transforms my life. Hallelujah. And Pilate wanted to choose Caesar as his friend rather than release Christ, the innocent one. He chose his friends. Choose your friends carefully, who you hang out with. Because your friends will give you advice. Your friends will speak into you time and time and again. And sooner or later, it's going to have a good effect or a bad effect upon your life. The Bible tells us that. Be careful who we hang out with on a regular basis. When you choose God as your friend, now God is God. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's holy. He's but he also calls you friends. And when you choose God to be your friend, your very best friend, you made a good friend. A friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. I had a lot of friends. When things were good and going well and I was prosperous, oh boy, everybody wants to be your friend. People come out of the woodwork, remember me? Don't you remember? Oh, don't. yeah, everybody wants to be your friend. But if you start falling upon hard times, oh, those friends that were banging on your door, they're, they're gone now. You know, you haven't seen hiding or hair of them for a long time. But there's a good friend, a faithful friend, 
is one who's with you through the good times, through the bad, through when you're prospering and when you're not, when you're struggling. That friend is there, faithful, always there with you, never leaves you, never forsakes you. And there's only one friend. There's the one that sticks closer than even a brother. And that's Jesus Christ. That is God. And listen to what he says in John 15. He said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends. This is what Jesus said. I have called you friends. Why? Because all things that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Jesus, because of the cross of Christ, because of his blood, because we are new creations, he now has become not only our Savior and our Lord, not only our Redeemer and our, and our, uh, all these things, but he's also a friend who is with you. He wants to communicate to you the Father's heart. That's why when we come to the cross and bow our knee, we come into an intimacy. We enter into an intimacy with God that can be entered, that can be found and gained no other way. And that intimacy that we have with God is through Christ. And Jesus begins to speak into our heart and our spirit. He begins to speak to us the deep things of God, letting us know the love of God that passes all understanding. God, your best friend gives you good advice. Your best friend tells you things that are good and positive and uplifting. And Jesus said, as your friend, I am going to tell you and reveal to you all the wondrous things that my Father has given me to reveal to you. Do you understand that? How does that happen? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He is now your best friend. Choose God as your best friend. My wife is my best friend on this earth. She's my best friend. You're my friends, but she's my best friend. You're my friends, I love you, but she's my best friend. But even a better friend than my wife is Jesus. He's the best friend. My wife is number two, friend number two. And that beats everybody else. But Jesus is number friend number one. God is friend number one. And if we're friends with God, we're able to be friends this way. If we are not friends with God, there's no other friendship. It becomes who can, who can, what can I get out of being a friend? What there's motives. There comes ulterior motives in friendships. But when we have a true friend in God and a true relationship with God, we can have a true friendship this way. That I, my best friend, I'm going to love her. I want to give. I'm loving her not to get, but to give. Jesus is loving you to give, not to get. Although we get, he, we want to give him our love, but he loves us because he just does. Hallelujah. And so we have good, we have a good friend when we have God, when we choose Jesus. And when you experience the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ, remember I said that the doorway opens? Through the cross, the doorway opens. And now you look into that opening that Jesus has opened through the cross and you look into the kingdom of God. You look into the heavenly realm and you start to see, wow. Wow, how do you, how does that door open right here? As you look into the word, God, because you bowed your knee to the cross, because you came to Jesus and accepted him as Savior and Lord, that his blood was shed, that my sins are washed away. Now he opens your eyes. The doorway to the kingdom of God is now opened. And as you look into the word, as Jesus speaks to you inwardly, you begin to peek into the kingdom of God and see the promises of God and the blessings of God and say, wow, this is what you have for me, Jesus Hallelujah, I ac accept the cross of Christ. Thank you. But to the others, the unbelievers, the rejectors, they can't see what you're seeing. They can't understand and behold what you're beholding. To them, they don't want to know it is foolishness. But you have entered into a place where, where you say, wow. When you look into the word of God, you understand in Isaiah 53, and with his stripes, we are healed. 
that we can look into that doorway into God's word and say, wow, there is healing available for me, Jesus, because of your blood, because of your stripes, because of, because you were bruised and you were beaten, that by your stripes I've been healed as I'm in relationship with you. Lord Jesus, all things are possible to heal your spirit, your soul, and your body. Hallelujah. You can understand these things and see these things and behold them and say, yes, Lord, and amen, while others cannot. But the cross of Christ has opened wonders to you. Also, the cross of Jesus Christ opens up an entranceway to peace and reconciliation to God that comes no other way. Colossians 1.19 and says this, For it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of the cross. God, it pleased God to make peace with you through the blood of the cross. That's why that man in Australia who preached to the congregation, it's foolishness to preach about the cross. Just preach that God will love you and bless you and make you prosperous and forget about the cross. That's foolishness. That's not the gospel. That is the work of the devil because the Bible says that it is through the blood of the cross that God has made peace with you. You cannot obtain peace with God any other way. You can't work it. You can't earn it. You can't perform for it. There's nothing you can do but say, Jesus, I, uh, Father, I accept the blood of the cross for me. And through that blood, the Bible says, having made peace through the blood and by him, by Christ, by the crucified Christ, to reconcile, to restore, to bring back all things unto himself. God wants to restore your brokenness of life, your broken heart, your broken mind, your broken spirit. God wants to restore. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that what Jesus said? And when you come to the cross and you look through that doorway of the cross, you see beyond that Jesus truly is the restorer and the, the reconciler and the peace that passes all understanding. He now guards my heart and mind. How does that happen? Through the cross. Preaching of the cross. Preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And it says this, that we are under grace, not under law. We're under grace, not under law. You know you're under grace? When you look through the cross into the kingdom of God and you look into the word, you see that no longer are we under the law, but now we are in the grace of God, under the grace of God. How is that? Through the cross of Jesus Christ. Take away the cross. There is no grace for you. You must follow and obey every letter of the law. And guess what? You can't do it. You will fall short as much as you try. The scribes and the Pharisees could not follow the letter of the law. Neither could anyone else. That's why Jesus came. Grace had to do away with the law. Now, we are to obey God's word. Don't misunderstand me. But we are under grace, not law. And that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. We have entered into forgiveness. The forgiveness of God is upon you. Listen to this. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with Christ, having forgiven you your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, which, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Why do we preach the cross and Christ crucified? Because as we look at the cross, we see every accusation against us. Everything that was, that, that the devil has pulled up and said, here's a long list of everything Pastor Al has done. We say, I can say, Jesus nailed that to the cross. I am forgiven. I am washed clean. I am set free. And the Bible says he made a triumph of, uh, he made a show of all of the enemy. Why do we preach the cross, Christ and the, him crucified? Because upon that cross, he nailed the handwriting that was against you. Do you know there's handwriting against you? 
You know the devil's got a long list of everything that you did wrong, every mistake you made, every sin you committed, everything you uttered. All he's got a whole list that he's waiting to put in your face and see. See here, you, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. But you could turn around and say, devil, that list is nailed to the cross. The blood has washed it clean. There is no list. God can't see it. God doesn't remember it. God doesn't know it because the blood has washed my sins away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why they're saying don't preach the cross. Don't preach the cross. Just preach God loves you and everything will be fine. Don't preach the cross. Just tell them that God, God will prosper you. Oh, God loves you. Yes, he does. But unless you come to the cross, you can't obtain anything else. It is only in the cross that, yes, you come. God loves everyone. He's not willing that any to perish. But you cannot do away with the cross. You can't cover it up. Forget about it. Make like it never happened. The cross is life-changing. Life-changing. And so he nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd be in big trouble if Jesus didn't nail that my list to the cross. How about you? Hmm? But thank God. Are you thankful he did? Are you thankful? Hallelujah. Two more things. Through the cross, Jesus Christ has won victory over the kingdom of darkness. And because he's won victory, and we are his and in him, we have victory over all the forces of the enemy that would try to come against us. Colossians 2 says this, because of the cross, he, Jesus, having spoiled, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Meaning, because Christ died and rose from the dead, he, be, he made an open show and he trampled over all the forces of the enemy. And that's why Jesus said, you are more than conquerors in Christ who gave himself for you. Because Christ is victory over all the forces of the enemy. And in Christ, you have triumphed over darkness. Why? What does the Bible say? Through the cross, God has taken you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous Light. You're no longer in darkness. You're no longer under the principalities and powers. Now you have authority over them to trample upon all the forces of the enemy and they shall in no wise hurt you. That's why we preach the cross of Christ and Him crucified. Because there's victory. There's triumph over all the forces of the enemy through the cross. And finally, through the cross... As we look at Christ crucified, we understand because of the cross, I have the power to live for God today. It says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. God forbid that I should glory save but in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pointing to the cross. Because it says, by whom? In the cross. By whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You see, I've been crucified. Yet, I, yet I, not I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Because I've been crucified to the world, that means I can have power to overcome the world, to overcome the temptations. I have the power in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through God's love and mercy, through the cross. Christ in me has given me power to live above and over all the forces of the enemy, that I can live a, a life unto God that is pleasing unto God. Because I live in His mercy, in His grace, in His forgiveness, I live in His grace. I live in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I can live for God today. And it says, that's why Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. You can be in the world, and we are in the world. How many of you are in this world, huh? We're all here, yeah, we're in this world, but we're not of the world, are we? We're in it, but we're not of it. We've got to live in it. We've got to, we, you know, we've got to make communications, but we're not of the world. We're not partying with the world. We're not walking in the ways of the world. 
we're walking in the ways of God while we live in this world. Why? Because Christ crucified makes a difference in my life. He's the power in me, the Christ. That's why he said in, in, in Corinthians, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Gentiles foolishness, or unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, that's you and I, unto them which are called, that's you and I, both Jews and Greeks, it doesn't matter, for God so loved the world, that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. But to them which are called, Jews, Greeks, whosoever will, Christ crucified becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so believe in the cross of Christ. Enter into the life that God has brought us into through the cross of Christ. Without the cross, there is no resurrection. Without the cross, there is nothing. We are without hope. We are lost. We are dead. But because of the cross of Christ, your sins and mine are forgiven. We live in his mercy and in his grace. We have the power to live for God every day of our lives. And that is why, as we come to the cross, the doorway opens and we can look into the kingdom of God and see his promises, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his blessings, all the good things that God has for us. We can obtain the peace that passeth all understanding to guard our heart and mind. All this goodness comes through the cross of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Never forget the cross. Never put little weight on it. It is the only way to God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. I want to sing two songs and then we're going to come around the table of communion this evening. So would you stand with me and let's let's sing these together and then we're going to come around the table of communion tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.